Hello, welcome to 360 Yourself, the podcast show centered around self-awareness and improvement. I'm Jamie Neal, host of 360 Yourself. So, a little bit of information of how the podcast came about. In 2014, I had a breakdown and was hospitalized. Too much work, too much anxiety, too much coffee, and not enough self-care. In the hospital, lying there with my thoughts, I had to rethink my entire way of life. The doctor said I was overworked and my body just gave up. Now, I'm not gonna say it wasn't scary, but it was a bit of a turning point for me. From there, I started to rebuild myself, reading hundreds of self-help books and questioning everything from, why do we have triggers? Why do we have egos? What is manifesting and what is identity? Many years later, someone recommended that I start a podcast because I've always been interested about how others lead their lives. And thus, 360 Yourself was born, interviewing incredible minds about how they understand themselves and how they utilize their knowledge and awareness to set out into their space. 360 Yourself is a dedicated podcast meeting brilliant and curious minds and looking at the world around them. I speak to artists, musicians, sports athletes, authors, CEOs, and experts in human behaviors, released every Sunday at 12 p.m. I ask questions about their mindset, journey, values, and ethos to fully understand how each of their minds work. How can we become more of ourselves to grow to the ultimate person we know we can be? If you do enjoy the episodes that you're listening to, please visit our Instagram page at 360 underscore yourself to let us know what you like and how you're learning. Or you can email us jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. That's jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. Hey, George, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Jamie. How are you, mate? I'm, I'm good. I don't know why. When I say George, I always want to do like an eyebrow, like, hey, George. Like, I don't George. know. What, yeah, like with an eyebrow. <laughs> George, there's a wobbly eyebrow just going up. Like, but it's George. weird because that's how I introduce myself constantly. Just like, hi, I'm George. And just drop the eyebrow. Jo- oh, you drop the eyebrow. I raise No, of course I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think people no, really only, enjoy it, though. I've only recently started to enjoy my name. Like when really? I was growing up, yeah, when I was growing up, it's just, it's one of those names that is just kind of a noise. It's like George. It's just a, ugh. it's got no like sharp T or like, like George. Jamie. It's um, George. It's, but, George. You know, I don't know. I, I, I really, I really like George. I think it's a very strong name. It's like George. I'm George. Like George Clooney. Like what an amazing name to have. Listen, Clooney's done a lot for the, for the George brand. He has, he has. And as the, will and, Prince George. Yeah, and George, the clothing as the George. Listen, we all thrived in George before. Do you know what I mean? We all loved like our, our school shoes and stuff and our ties when I was younger. I mean, that's where my mum shopped, I think, at George. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Who, yeah, that was the place. I mean, I oh. guess it still is. It, well, yeah, actually. Yeah, actually, to be fair, it's still going. I think so. I think still still going. I think people still shop there. And peacocks. I had to explain to lots of people in Los Angeles what peacocks was because no one understood what it was. I What's was like, peacocks? Peacocks. What's peacocks? No, come on. You know what peacocks is? It's like the Pe- kind of like tell me. So it's like a it's like um it's in like small towns. You probably would have had one, but like in my small town in uh, in Plymouth, you had peacock, which is basically like um a, a clothing store like Clark's. See, we had a Clarks, mate. Yeah. We had a Clarks. So Clarks and Peacocks are sort of at the same level, and it had like clothes and like shoes and stuff. But you only find it in like really small towns. You don't find it anywhere. I don't think you find it anywhere else now. But like, yeah, wow. Like, yeah, okay. probably Clarks is probably the the most equivalent thing I can think about. Um, yeah, we we were small enough a town to just have a Clarks. I think that was where everyone just got 
all of well, that stuff. Yeah, Clark's, and also we had loads of uh, charity shops. That was like our uh, on our on our watering hole. I caught the watering hole, which is where everyone in my village goes to, and says like Weatherspoons <laughs> has a travel place. Wait, you has- you had a Weatherspoons? Yeah. Mate. yeah that's not it, a, that's not a small town if you've got a weatherspoons no but no, no. A... but no but it, it is it is it I, I didn't grow up with a weatherspoons i actually grew up with it just like these small like local bars and then maybe like eight ten years ago they made a weatherspoons like a big weatherspoons in my oh. local town and there's all these little villages that all connect in this like long long road which is basically called the watering hole what is how it's called ridgeway but if anyone was listening from Plymouth, you'll know what it's called. They'll get it. And essentially, it's like it's so it's the road is so short, and it has like oggy oggy oggy, which is like a bakery <laughs> store. And <laughs> I love the word oggy. <laughs> and and essentially, it has that weather and it does really, really, really well. Like everyone goes there. It's like the thing because it's like I don't know two pound pints or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, it's how much a pint should be. Well, it's my no dad, my dad pays one pound seventy five for a pint in like, and that's not a weather That's in his local uh, pub. One pound so your dad is still in 1960. He is That's still in 1960. And he always goes there. And then he just has like five off the back because it's like whatever. Good man. I know. Good on him. Um, so you are from, tell me where you're from. Because I, I we've always spoke about this, but I would love you to introduce it because some people might not have heard of it, but I've actually heard of it. It's by Brighton. So tell me where you're from. You have, yeah. It's a, it's a town called Seaford. It's uh, there we go. in the southeast. It's on the coast. It's kind of Brilliant. halfway between brighton and eastbourne amazing um and yeah and i was i'm i'm 30 now and i was there well, i moved out when i was 28 out of my parents garage uh-huh. to london at 28 so i was there uh-huh. for 28 years yeah jeez god i mean i i actually i moved out when i was 15 and then i wow yeah i, went, I was i was young. I, when i said to you i want i need to get out we were talking i needed to mm. get out you got out <laughs> I, I got out because it's this funny thing because actually a friend of mine um who's from my school and his best friends with my mum actually lives five minutes down the road from me in los angeles and uh, we, we, yeah, I know. And also, my local sports bar, there's a woman there called Kay. She's listening. Um, <laughs> she is also from Plymouth. And hey. this is five minutes from my house in West Hollywood. And I find that really strange. Anyway, so we were basically talking about how people sometimes don't get out of their comfort zones of their cities. Mm. And so there's always a joke that if you ever leave Plymouth, it's amazing because a lot of people stay because it is a beautiful place. But um, it sort of traps you sometimes because um, it is so lovely and you've got your family and friends there. And so we actually escaped. And and there's some people actually went to Australia. Um, wow, get as far away from it as possible. Yeah, there's one girl at my school who went to Australia and I'm like, oh, wow, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. But like but- I say, sometimes you need to get the distance from a place to genuinely appreciate it yeah right? and I, I, think... I i love it for a week now i'm sure like you got you go go down for like a week or two weeks or whatever and you're like oh this is amazing now yeah it's the postcard it's the it's the rose tinted place you come back to it and you're like this is my home this is where my people are from this yeah, is yeah. my friends and family and it, it's it's lovely to go back to yeah for sure so, so i'm fascinated so i always love, i i love um case studies and i love like figuring out people and and understanding people's journeys how did you actually get into acting from seaford yeah, it was kind of, I had no connections in the industry at all, right? Um, my granddad gave me a video camera when I was 10 or something. Um, and so from then I was like, right, my, I'm going to be a film director. That was my, my early dream. I was like, I'm going to make films. That's my, that's my bag. Uh, and so all throughout school, 
all of the like choices that I made at GCSE were all to inform like, oh, I'm going to be a film director, so I don't need maths. So I won't concentrate on that. Um, I need a bit of English. We'll do drama because I need to know what acting's like and work with actors. I'll do business studies as well because I need to know how to run the business of a film. Um, and, did, and that was kind of my journey up until maybe 18. Um, was always kind of putting myself in the films that I was making and being in other, um, some of my friends making films and I never had a problem being in front of the camera. Uh, and it was only when, it's funny, it's funny, it sort of turned into a piece of advice that I give to people now. My me and my cousin were driving through my hometown one day and he just kind of nonchalantly mentioned that our old drama teacher had played my end of year play to his class, which was the year below us, um, and pointed me out in the play and said, watch this kid, he, he knows what he's doing. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. But just having that affirmation from him, from this guy who I really respected, it just unlocked. So I was like, oh, my God, that's permission to maybe try and be an actor. I think I'd always secretly been working around the fact that I did want to be an actor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I couldn't admit it to myself. But as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, no, it's it's that. And Interesting. Hmm. Was you wearing Greek masks uh, when, uh, in your bedroom? You know, like the sad mask. And you were like, am I an actor? Am I not? <laughs> am I? Well, that's the thing. That was my view of actors. I had a very kind of disparaging view of acting and actors. It always seemed to me like a, a kind of, can, can we swear on this podcast? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I always thought it was just like a wanky profession. Like it's always the stereotype of the actor is that, isn't it? It's like that he's wearing a, a cravat. He's got mm. long hair and he's talking in Shakespearean. And I was like, I don't really get that. But then as soon as I unlocked that, as soon as I was like, okay, well, let's, I kind of like the idea of maybe pursuing this. Let's dive into what it means to be an actor. Yeah. That I then understood that I know this is, this is art. This is genuinely a, an amazing field. Yeah. So did you, did you go into like amateur dramatics and theater before you sort of went into like the, the film side? Like how did, how did that come about? No, not at all. I, I kind of, um, through a lot of the contacts that I'd made, making films in my local area and in Brighton as well, which obviously was only half an hour down the road. I'd, I'd worked on loads of productions, like as a music video, as a runner, as all of these things. And so when I was like, I'm going to try acting, I just kind of sent emails out to people that I'd worked with and, and said, look, I'm thinking of like doing some stuff around Carrie if you ever need anything. And then one thing just kind of led on to another. I'm then in front, I'm doing the music video, I'm acting in it, or I'm in this person's short film or, I just said yes to everything and just tried to get in front of the camera as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And it, mm. from that built like a, a pretty sturdy showreel that because I knew how to edit as well. This was like 2012 or something like that. I had like top of the line editing software from all the videos that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I edited together this showreel that literally made me look like I've been working for years and I'd maybe done it's all, of... <laughs> it's all in the editing. I swear, I say this to people a lot when they're doing showreels and stuff. I'm like, you can make a really not so great like production value go up because of the really great editing. So I would say get a really good editor because you can salvage a Absolutely. lot. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And everyone can do it now as well. Like everybody can edit. Everyone's, it's a, it's, everyone's an editor it's a, now. That's yeah, the thing. it's great. Get, 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 your neighbor, get your neighbor who's like oh i make some content oh brilliant can you come and edit, yeah, edit do this. this film for me <laughs> absolutely yeah so 
so you so then you got into the the um the, the space by your sort of network um within uh, brighton because obviously brighton a lot of film directors and a lot of great people are in brighton there's loads of people like i've got a mate who who's done like emmerdale for a long long time and he is a film director film uh, director and he lives down there and so loads of people so what i also want to say that you've got something coming up which is obviously really great so wedding season which is a dark comedy on uh disney plus so tell me about that because i'm fascinated with the process and how you got into the character all that sort of stuff i love i love figuring out and, and understanding how people go into that are you are you one of those um method actors and you're like oh, i don't want to be seen for like two weeks i, I would love to know uh yeah i well the, the show itself wedding season is it's Disney Plus's first British show, which is oh, like really? super. Yeah, it's their their first British production. So obviously oh. they've they've come out of the gate running with some amazing like Marvel shows and Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The subscription numbers are just going up and up and up, and they generate some really good content. Yeah, uh, but it's all been American productions, and then this right. they've decided to go right. Let's let's see what. Oh, Blighty can do. I didn't know that. Um, I, th- I thought they did like a mixture of like British and American. I didn't know that. No, no, this is the, this is the first one. Oh, um, how does it feel to be the first? Oh, mate, dream. Yeah? It feels, it feels yeah, good. It's, yeah, it's, it feels good. It feels really good. It feels really good. It's like, it's going to be mad. It's out on September 8th and it's going to be mad to wake up that morning and see it on Disney Plus. Like, I'm hoping like next to The Mandalorian in between. Yeah. Obi Wan or some of the new Marvel shows and stuff like that, just to see our show. And it's, and it's also only the start. Like, do you know what I mean? This is like the start of like every everything that like fruitioning or you'll be manifesting and stuff. And so it's just like a little like a, a thing that you go, oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You've got to have those like fist pump moments. Like, oh, that is so cool that yeah. I managed to get in this thing. That is- yeah, because I think I, I was talking to someone about like the what ifs, right? The what ifs of like life, like thinking about like what if like. I wanted to do this or what if I tried this and it failed or whatever. And so mm. I was talking about like, we should actually just do what we want because sometimes, sometimes a lot in life, it actually comes fruition. And, and this is the situation, right? You tried, you're doing it and it's happening. It's, it's, it's here rather than a lot of people like, like go from fear and they're like, Oh, what if this doesn't happen? And that and that and that, and then never actually get to do anything. And you just, just did it and you're like now you're now like reaping the award the rewards of, of it and stuff and it's just it's just really great to see oh, thank you mate yeah yeah I, I suppose you're right i suppose there's also something to be safe said for the sort of age that i started as well that was like i said i kind of had the epiphany at 18 or something where i think when you're when you're young and full of dreams it's like right i, I can dive into this mm-hmm. and i think as you get older it, it can become it's obviously not impossible everyone has the power to change but it can become harder to, you've, you've had more rejections. You've had more things go wrong in your life that mm. you're more hardened. So I think it can be harder to believe mm. in the what if, but I think that's the struggle, right? That's the thing you've got, you've got, that's the game. Yeah. How do you, I, I'm fast. I was, we had someone else on, we had um, uh, Amber Johnson, who's a really amazing film director, just, but more, but more commercial, just stuff, really big stuff for like Moncler and, and, and some other amazing um, oh, wow. twigs and stuff. And she's really, really great. And one of the things we talked about is like the mindset. Like I love asking people who are artists because it's such a challenging lifestyle. Like there's a lot of rejection. There's like sometimes a lot of solitude because you've got to learn your lines. You've got to write a script or whatever. How do you find that, that, especially even the audition process as well? Like, like maybe 
you put your worries or you put your anxieties over there when you've done the audition like am I going to get it am I not going to get it like how do you what's your mindset in terms of the whole process of being an actor and keep keep sanity and balance yeah well I think as a as an industry or as a people if you will actors I think there's a real epidemic of mental health struggle because of all the things that you've just said because it mm. is it's mad you're, you're trying to do this thing that first of all I think all other artists all of them <laughs> can do their art by themselves right so a painter can buy a ca- buy a paintbrush and a canvas and he can go and paint a musician can sit there and write a song and put it on YouTube or whatever to do the thing that I want to do or what a lot of actors want to do whether it's theater or or film and TV is that you need the approval first from a higher power to go you you're allowed in now you you've been chosen yeah you've chosen now do your thing but yeah. only for six weeks because then you, you need somebody else to choose you <laughs> and, and so that can be really hard because again you kind of build your identity around being an actor like but then when you're not acting when you're in between well, i am between work at the minute your identity starts to become kind of fractured a little bit and you start thinking well i I've, I say I'm an actor, but I'm not, I haven't acted in it in a little bit now. Like what's, what's going on. Mm. But I, I, so I suppose the only way to cope with that from my own experience is to have another creative outlet, mm-hmm. uh, to have something else that makes me feel like an artist or something else that I'm trying for. That's a little bit more in my own control. Yeah. So, is it, is it yodeling? Is that your passion project? It is. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> It's going to any <laughs> mountains. Actually, any. I like to do it in just a, a big room. Just anywhere Amazing, brilliant. Yeah, because uh, um, I we had someone on the show that was just like I, you had a yodeler. Had, no, we didn't have a yodeler, but we had someone who had a passion front, had passion for yodeling, um, and just sort of released this on the episode. And I was like, I love oh that. my, this is amazing. Did she yodel for you? Uh, no, she didn't, unfortunately. But, Jenny, um, that's, but yeah, so that's poor effort on your part. I know. I should have. I should have prodded and gone. Can you? Get, can we get performance on some live performance? So we've got more <laughs> numbers. Um, but so what? What come? What kind of creative pursuits that you do? Like, do you writing on side, or do you? Or you like? I just do something like totally different. Like, I do like surfing, or like I go painting, or whatever it is. Like, do you do something similar, or do you do totally different? But yeah, writing is the main one. Um, for a long time, it was writing scripts and, and and making short films, or I did a TV pilot and, and done a feature and stuff like that. Yeah, because you got um, your first like film in like twenty two. Yeah, again, that sort <laughs> which of is useful... quite, which is which is which is crazy to think about uh, being in that age and then doing it for your first feature. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it was mad, um, and it, you know, it's not very good. But that's well, <laughs> I mean, good is perspective, right? I mean, you think about the age, I swear, like Steven, uh, Steven Spielberg, which we'll talk about in a second. I swear when he was younger, though, I mean, I, probably when he did, did his first short, whatever, it wasn't that great. Similarly with Ed Sheeran. I mean, I mean, he wasn't a great singer at the beginning, but he just said talent and hard work. That's it. You, le- you learn that's how it. to do things. Um, so yeah. uh, moving on to, though, Steven Spielberg, uh, obviously, I, I can't not say. Um, and also mentioned that you're obviously in um, Apple TV's Masters of the Air, which is uh, produced by Steven Spielberg and uh, someone that I've never heard of, Tom Hanks. Um, you might have heard, have you ever you ever played with a toy called Woody? He's like a little cowboy. No, um, He's like, like his best mate. Yeah. Um, I think he was, wasn't he the main guy in Die Hard? Was he not? 
Yes, yes, that's him. <laughs> that's no, the guy. so I so I love Tom Hanks too much. Like obviously he's the the father of of America for like uh, entertainment and film and stuff. And, and sure, and I I constantly watch um, Castaway. I love it too much. But uh, so it's released uh, later this year, so twenty twenty two, early twenty twenty three. So tell me about that process and and. Um, how how did it come about? Like, I'm sure obviously your agent said, "Oh, here's a here's a side, mm. go and audition." But when you got the role and also the process on the show, uh, yeah, how would that go? Yeah, well, it it kind of came out of the blue. I I you get sent projects through and you, you decide if you want to go for them or not. Most of the time, you just you're going to go for them, and then something like this lands in, and you're like, "Oh my god, that would be a dream!" But it's never going to happen in a million years. But you know, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to put a good take down and send it off uh, and it, it was probably two months later that you've written it off. after about two weeks if you haven't heard back you, you write it off in your head some sometimes it can be longer than that like this for example but most times you write it off and then got a phone call from my agent who just said yeah they, they want you for for this part in masters of the air and the in it was like, it's like winning the lottery it's like mm. hold on a minute i'm gonna be in like the next in the band of brothers saga which is I, th- I think Band of Brothers, even now, is probably the best TV has ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be in the next one of that, like say Spielberg, Hanks, World War II pilots, American pilots. Like it just had everything about it. And we, we got to do a boot camp to go and train to, to learn how to fly the planes, how oh, to wow. operate as a, as a crew. Um, and it, it was just an absolute, it was a, I think we started in March. I was, I was done by August, I think. Um, and it was just the maddest process you've ever, ever been about. It, it was amazing. Every day was a, a dream. I love, I love that, that you, as an actor on these film sets, you get experiences like, even like it's like bungee jumping or it's like flying a plane. And I'm like, oh, I've got to pay to do these things. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, then we, we use this, um, this new technology called the volume. Right? I don't know if you've seen it on, no. they're using it on, on, a lot of the Star Wars and Marvel things at the moment, and Batman as well, the the Batman that came out, where it's, you know, if you've seen a, a green screen in yeah. a film before, imagine that is just a giant TV uh-huh. that has the special effects already on it. So you're reacting to the special effects as they've already been done effectively. Uh-huh. So the lighting is, is far more uh, real on us as actors, but also you have something to react to. You're not just looking at a tennis ball and going, oh, like yeah, yeah. How I've always wondered how people like because do they do they show you if there was a tennis ball, right? Do they show you mm. like a mood board of what it will look like? So then you're like, oh, you can sort of visualize this monster or whatever that is. Because I always wondered, yeah. like, do I know what I'm being scared of? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes if the if the people that are making the thing know know what it's going to be, then yeah, they they usually be a, a concept art or something like that. But I've been I won't name the show, but I've been on a show that ended with something where we were told to look at the sky and imagine something. And we were like, yeah, but what? If this is the end of the series. Like, what are we looking at? They're like, we haven't figured it out yet. We oh never got God. a second series. So <laughs> that's probably no, why. But, but the thing but, that actually happened in Jurassic Park, the first one with uh, Steven Spielberg, they, he knew, because obviously there was a massive um and ahhing how they were going to do these dinosaurs, whether it was going to be like CGI or, or visual mm. effects, or if it was going to be like, real i don't know there was i remember watching documentary but essentially he said to the, to the actors on that sort of shoot when they first see the dinosaurs like 
they're going to be dinosaurs, but we don't know how we're going to be making them. But just imagine that there's a dinosaur there and that's all they got. So they didn't know what type of dinosaur they didn't have. Any... And when you look back at it, you now go, oh, yeah, they really had no idea what they were looking at. <laughs> that's a pretty good bit of direction, though, right? Like it's a dinosaur. Yeah. You're not going to be happy to see it. Exactly. It's better than going, oh, there's a Flangarian uh, Zeno thing coming at you. With, with It's got four teeth. Go. You know, oh, what's going on what, there? What's that? Dinosaur's what's... pretty specific. Yeah, dinosaur's pretty... Well, it is Jurassic Park, though. So you, you would be like, yeah, it's a dinosaur. I mean, what else could it, what else could it be? It could have been anything. But he said that's dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. But that, but that's a, that's a job of an actor, right? And I think I really commend actors because I think a lot of people don't realise it's not actually doing it on the on the um on on set on, on cue it's all the hours of preparation and the waiting time right i mean mm. um jamie camaboa who's on on our sh- on has been on the show who's who was vecna he spent like 11 hours in the chair putting all the sort of thing on and people don't and, and now it's amazing that you get behind scene views of of the mm. of the process and i think people now see that and they understand technically how the how a show is put together, but it means that you guys are so much more skilled because you don't just see you on for however long it is. You actually add the hours of waiting around and then just literally be able to deliver something is is impeccable. Like it, it's a such a skill to do that. And I and over the years I've gone, wow, that is amazing. Yeah, it's 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 a sport in a way. Like a day on set, you've you've got to manage your energy levels. You've got a you've got a rest at the right times and then and then you're going to get ready you get yourself pumped up ready to the race is starting and then oh hold on a minute it's going to be another hour so, so then your adrenaline comes down again yeah. and it is it is a, a huge process of kind of managing that and i think only through through experience do you learn like not to have a huge lunch or uh, don't overdo the coffee because you might need it if you're lagging at five o'clock yeah that as a pick-me-up yeah and, and like i say that there's there's so much work, and that's the most it's not the most fun bit but definitely the thing that appeals to me is the the research uh before a role so for mm. example with with masters of the air um all of the all of the characters in it are all based on genuine war heroes who existed and some of them are still alive some of them have sadly passed away but that it's all their true stories that are, that are being told and i managed through my sort of internet detective sleuthing when researching my role my guy mm-hmm. that his co-pilot was still alive and i managed to find through a like a facebook page in ohio that linked me to this person and blah blah um to get an email address for my character's old co-pilot and so i was i was wow. emailing i think he's 102 um, did, you, did you just turn up on his doorstep in America, I, I wish. I, I, I <laughs> in a in a more cyber way, I turned up in, in his inbox. Yeah. So <laughs> I, so did so hey. he so he's 102, but he has an email. That's pretty oh, good man. going. John Lucky Luckadoo. This is the guy. He, That's what he's, he's, John Lucky he's Luckadoo. Just re- yeah. Wow. He's he. Hey, he's lucky. He's a lucky man. Yeah. He he's just released a book um, about about the war. He he's amazing. He's still going strong. Like he is. He ain't going anywhere. No. He's an absolute. Yeah, and he emailed me back. It answered all of my questions, gave me like Is this nuggets of information. This is crazy. Yeah. I could have made that up. He might be hundreds. Well, yeah, I but I like... mean, still, still, like anyone. I mean, Listen. my my nan, <laughs> yeah. my nan's seventy five, and she hasn't got a clue how to use WhatsApp. So, <laughs> so. yeah. 
Yeah, he's in. He was straight back with the email. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming, obviously, he's putting a book together. So that's probably why he would probably need an email. But apart from when you're at 100, why would you need an email? Who are you going to email? Yeah. Well, I think for him, I think, and maybe a lot of veterans, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a great way for them to stay in Keep contact. Connected. You know? Yeah, yeah. He, he's because he's the, the series is set in England effectively it was about an american bomber group who were based in england during the war mm-hmm. so you're over in another country with people from all over america and then once the war's over if you've made it and unfortunately not a lot of them did but if you made it then you go back to america and you probably would never see you guys again until the invention of friends reunited or whatever it was and you think, oh, oh yeah friends reunited Dave's doing Oh yeah, yeah that a was flashback. A... Oh dear me, Friends Reunited. I mean, MySpace, Bebo, all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's crazy. And now you obviously have Facebook, but Friends Reunited. I remember that. Is that... I don't know if it's still going anymore. I don't know. I don't it's... think I. It it may well be, but I remember my my grandparents were on it early on. Though. My my granddad's proper into tech. Like he's he's done well to keep up with technology, and he was on Friends Reunited finding people that he went to school with back oh, in like the man. 60s in Liverpool and and has become friends with them again, which how, is amazing. How, like, how old is your granddad? He is 70, the upper end. I don't know specifically. He might even upper be 80. End. He's doing wow. great though. Yeah, he's, he's one of those people. He's he's looked 80 since he was 30. He's always had like gray hair and a big gray beard. Big beard. Yeah, I, I, I always I always think, what am I going to be like when, like I always say to my parents, because obviously our, my, our parents never grew up with like, technology whatever and we're we're moving so quickly into the future with an innovation and i'd want i wonder how much i'm gonna cope when i'm 60 or 70 or 80 with technology and what we're going to be doing like obviously probably more like augmented reality and virtual reality but Mm. i'm like will i be able to cope because i can't sometimes i can't do my emails and i'm and i'm way younger than 100 um so (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how i'm gonna fare well, I like, I, I think I read, uh, I think it was on Wired, uh, an article maybe six months ago that I've latched onto as like gospel truth. Mm-hmm. And it was about the sort of, the, the trend for technology and the adoption of technology has been peaking since the 80s. Like the new thing comes out, we, we get, we spend more time on screens, blah, blah, blah. But for the first time in forever, it's starting to dip and you're seeing people go, actually, I don't want that. I don't want to spend so much time doing that, that there's this very early signs that we might be transitioning back to some kind of analog or at least a half analog, half digital world, which I would be such a huge fan of. You know, Elon Musk is talking about putting um, computers in our brains and stuff with this brain interface stuff. Like that, look, mate, ain't going to happen. No one's going to do it. no one's gonna do it. Well, they would though. They probably would because <laughs> Kim Kardashian would do it, and then everyone else would do it. Um, but I, said, I was I was talking to someone last night about this as well. The whole um, Elon Musk thing it, with the chips in the brain, and then someone was like, "Oh, someone of ethics should really go in as a consultant and go in in house." Because what happens with technology is that it doesn't get um, regulated, and especially with like what's happening with Web three in the metaverse, like innovate it's being innovated mm. but then you get lots of cash grabbers and you get lots of people making a lot of money in this space because no one really knows how to well one they don't understand they don't understand it and they don't know how to regulate it and it's the same thing with probably these new piece of technologies is that they'll be creating and and, and probably launching and then the the actual ethics of them, the moral of it 
will probably be left behind. And then they go, oh, you know what? We should have actually done that. Some, similarly with like global warming, right? We should have really like yeah. thought about like plastic bags and all these things years ago. And now we're going, actually, that's not really great. And now we're backpedaling. Um, but essentially, that's very true. So I, true. I, I was saying, I was saying that I probably, you know, what, if I was Elon Musk, I'd be like, with like a little clicker uh, microphone going, buy more Tesla, buy more Tesla <laughs> into the brain. And then it would subconsciously, people would buy more Tesla. Um, but no, it is but crazy, isn't it? it is crazy, isn't it? Like, and then you obviously have like deep, I mean, deep fake the, the, the things of like people like the Tom Cruise things, like that maybe like. I'll be talking to you and then you'll have like Tom Cruise's face on you or whatever. And then I'll be talking to Tom, Tom Cruise. And it's actually not Tom Cruise. How yeah. Is that? Well, there's, there's, there's talks already in the industry about regulating that because you can, you could effectively devalue Tom Cruise. You could devalue any actor. If you can just replicate their face yeah. and put it on anybody. Yeah. But they, I don't know if they're still doing it, but a couple of years ago, they announced they were doing a, I think it was like a Vietnam war movie, but they were, it was going to be starring James Dean, like right. obviously not, but they yeah. were going to deep fake James Dean on an actor and use James Dean, uh, James Dean's estate had approved it and stuff. And it was going wow. to be James Dean stars in blah, 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 which is just gross. Like it's obviously what? not a, not a good why, thing to do. Why would you as an actor want to agree to that, to have James Dean on top of you? Well, l- listen, great sentence, by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, look you could you could get most people to do anything and it would be a great honor in a way you're trying to play James Dean I'm sure whoever would be doing that part you're you feel like I'm playing James Dean playing a a character it'd be an interesting problem to solve but it's not a problem that needs solving yeah it's it's just people just being too innovative in the moments and just like let it be for a moment let it be and it's, Mm. it's it's even it's even like um how how we're going to be utilizing virtual reality like they they believe by um i don't know is it 2026 2027 2028 that we won't have TVs anymore it won't be a thing we won't have screens it will all be like virtual reality and so we'll have like screens in our glasses and you better see them and then swipe them and stuff and i mean that's quite mad it is about. mad but again i'm i'm latching onto that wide article i think at our base level as humans we want the least amount of effort to get our media and entertainment. The TV is so good and precise at delivering what we need it to. I can sit down, I press one button and I can get my content. I don't need to put anything on. My whole furniture is moved around my TV. Like it's, it's fine. This is the thing about constant innovation, right? A lot of it is fine as it is. I don't Mm. need I've, I'm a, a doctor in VR. So I'm a big gamer. I've got an Oculus headset. I've had the Samsung VR thing. It's great, but it's too much. It's like it, it's good for small stints, but I think most people won't adopt it for years and years. Yeah. Well, we'll what do see. you think? Do you think we will? Do you think that will come off the twenty? 20- 27 revolution 20, well 20 about 2028 there'll be less they think less um screens and there'll be more vr happening because mm. there is a it's a trillion dollar industry augmented reality and virtuality it's a big industry and uh so a lot of vcs and a lot of people investing in it and it's interesting to think like what would the experience be like i think it was at quentin tarantino on a on a show the other day i don't know what show it was but he was just saying go to the cinema and buy a ticket because it's such a different experience sitting at home watching your tv to actually 
having an emotional connection to the a community that's watching the same thing you're watching. And there is, I mean, there's nuts. I mean, I go to Soho House. There's a lovely screening room here in in uh, in Los Angeles, and it's it's beautiful. It's it's really nice. So I purposely want to go not just for the the cinema, but also it's actually beautiful to sit down this big red thing, sure, order whatever, but. It's an amazing experience. It's lovely just to go on a, on a Sunday evening. I've got two hours spare. I'll go there. And it beats me sitting on my sofa watching Netflix yeah. on, uh, on, my, t- on my, my sofa and stuff. So I don't know. I, I, I also agree with him. I think there's something magical about going to the cinema and watching Yeah, and we don't, we don't need that to change. They've tried to change it. They've, we've tried the big 3D thing when Avatar came out. Everyone's chucking on glasses. Oh, yes. You remember, I remember that, the 3D glasses. Oh, yes. Yeah. It was a nightmare. It was Did, like, okay, oh yeah, we, but, we can watch a movie, but darker. And oh, something's flying at you. Waste of time. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was like paper thick 3D glasses, wasn't it? And yeah, I don't, yeah. We, we don't do that no more, do they? they Not do. really. I'm sure no. there's there's stuff going, and they're great for, for novelty things and stuff like that. But like I say, cinema is an art form, and the, it's like the theater, the theater hasn't changed in since ancient Greece. Like it's the same yeah. thing. It's people sitting watching other people say things that have been previously written indeed like we so. we don't need to change it it's there, there might be there might be holograms though for theater probably that will probably what yeah will happen. yeah there probably might Looks. be a hologram some yeah what will happen I'll right in opera because these opera singers get paid crazy amounts of money right it probably might be like this very famous opera singer is not even in rome whatever and he holograms himself there does the show yeah. gets paid x amount of money then quits because i think he, opera singers only do like 10 12 15 shows a year or performances a year or the top top ones so i think it will just hologram in if i was him i'd just hologram in (laughs) i like that you've invented him you're like if i was him if i was him i mean i'm I'm thinking myself of him like i was Uh, that person you're the the yodeler i'm the yodeler i'm actually it's actually i've actually made it up it's not a guest it's actually me i have (laughs) i'm a yodeler but Jamie, I, I knew that you knew that we've yeah, uncovered but it. But I, I think you, de- I think you definitely have it on the money in terms of like theatre hasn't changed in Greek history, right? And that hasn't changed. I mean, we've had a tiny bit. I mean, the National Theatre has sometimes. I think it was like the Nether had like some like digital kind of installation sort of thing, and mm. so it's slightly been ad- adapted. But similarly, like it hasn't really like progress onwards and and should it because it's theater that's what it's meant to be and so why is theater staying sort of where it is but then other things like tv and film which is obviously we went from film into digital and then all this sort of cgi sort of thing i mean film and tv has progressed so much further than theater has and yeah yeah. but it's also when you think of the grand scale of time and, and human civilization film and tv have been around for not even a flicker of an eye like mm. they are so young still. They feel old to us because they've been around since we've been here. Yeah. But they are still so young. You're just thinking of like 1900 of the, like the first film, 1899 mm. or something. Like it's it's not had that long to develop. But where where it's gotten to is, I think, the the best it can get. You can't get better than it. You can make the screens bigger. You can make the special effects flashier. You can do all that stuff. But the actual act of sitting in a cinema. Uh, watching a big screen that's it that's the that's the game you don't i don't need anything else added onto it don't give me the the 4d experience where you're blowing shit at my face or whipping my legs when there's an alien running past don't need it mate <laughs> yeah the, the, 
There is a cinema that does that, though. I think that yeah, there's loads. It's like a, a chair that moves and there's like spray of water and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, I'm wearing a nice shirt. Why would I want to be wet? <laughs> I love that. Again, I'm all for like novelty things and great that people are trying it. But the actual cinema going experience, I don't think will change all that much for no, from know. now for the next hundred years. Yeah, he says. Not. I'm hoping. Probably I'm, we're we're hoping by not. Then, so. So um, what I would love to do with my guests is I always love to ask um, a final thing. It's, it's basically called a give back. And I love to ask my guests a give back that you would give to the audience that, that has inspired you. It could be like a book, a quote, a mantra, a person that has inspired you that you would give back. And then what we do at the end of the year, we, we, we put them all together in like an hour and a half segment of like loads of different like nuggets of information. Um, so is there anything that you would think about now that you would sort of give back? Maybe, yeah, maybe it's a book, I don't know, or quote or a tattoo that you have. I don't know anything. Yeah, okay. it's a wonderful idea for one. Um, and I think, yeah, my thing would probably be just the two simple words, stay curious. It's probably oh, been yeah. said a thousand times. Yeah. But it's something that I certainly live by and I stay curious about everything. Like whether it's thinking that somebody's, somebody's, put these dots on that like what who's done that or whatever it is like that can extrapolate into so many things and as an actor I think part of the thing in your downtime is reading wide reading well finding about all sorts of things from psychology to history to biology to all of these different things because you you never know when that's going to inform something later down the line and it mm. always does you always go oh my god yeah i read that thing about this thing that actually links to that you find all these these links and i think mm. that's what all innovators throughout I, I listened to your um episode with the guy who wrote the book about uh, da vinci yes um, and you think that that's how these amazing innovators innovate is that they're, they're curious and then they start making links between things that haven't mm. been made before and you can only do that when you read or learn like mad things like, i think it's better to learn loads about no sorry i think it's good to learn little about a lot yeah we we had a, than... we, we had a guy on our show called dr christian bush who wrote a very best-selling book called connect the dots and it's, it talks exactly like that like wow learning things you should definitely check it out but um talking about like connecting everything that you've had in your past all the things that you've learned and somehow your brain subconsciously puts it into a a nice little bowl when you need it in future life. But you can only, you can only see that looking backwards. You can't see it going forwards, but essentially it's like connect, like your mindset is very, very special because you are allowing your brain to see the dots and see things, how they connect, whether it is a connect, a connection with a person or something that you've learned or some a, a tool or whatever it is. And then suddenly life and, your brain somehow puts it all together magically. And you're like, how did that even happen? But yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting thing how the brain and uh, the life works, isn't it? It all comes around in the end. But I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 Yourself. It's actually been really, really lovely. I've really enjoyed your energy. I really enjoy everything about you. I'm also rooting for you um, as you move up and as you get more roles as well. I'm going to be checking out uh, both of those uh, TV shows. So uh, Wedding Season, which is the up- upcoming on uh, Disney Plus, um, and then got Apple TV's uh, Masters of the Air, uh, which is coming out uh, end of 2022, early 2023, which is which is literally around the corner. Can you believe that we're nearly in 2023? It's crazy to think about. 
Uh, Don't even start. It's mad. It's but crazy. thank you for all of that, Jamie. It's been it's been so lovely to talk to you. And listen, when I'm in LA, let's go get a beer. Exactly. Let's go. Let's hang exactly. Out. There is there is a British uh, pub around the corner for me, and um, that's quite well known. So you can actually get a, a British pint um, around well, here. See you there. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you so much, and you've both been 360. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our awesome guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our astonishing episodes released every Sunday, 12pm. We are available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram for more discussions, education and inspiration at 360 underscore yourself. The host, that's me, Jamie Neal on Instagram at Jamie Neal JN. And once again, thank you for listening and remember to 360 yourself.